2: wherever books are sold starting July 1st. And my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at ZimbyOwens.com. But really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at ZcastNetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Hi, podcast listeners. I just wanted to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving a happy Thanksgiving week. I hope you're catching up on all the back episodes that you may have missed now that you're driving all over or flying or doing whatever. And I just wanted to say how truly, truly, truly thankful I am for all of you, for all of you tuning in regularly, listening to these episodes, I'm thankful for all the authors who have come on as guests and who continue to listen and just everybody who has made this podcast really take off and enabled me to do things like start a publishing company and open a bookstore and do all the things I'm doing. Um, I don't know. I, Without all of you listening and supporting the show, none of this would be possible. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Vanessa Riley is the author of Sister Mother Warrior, a novel. In addition to being a novelist, Vanessa Riley holds a doctorate in mechanical engineering and a master's in industrial engineering and engineering management from Stanford University. She earned her BS and MS in mechanical engineering from Penn State. She currently juggles mothering a teen, cooking for her military man husband, and speaking at women's and STEM events. She loves baking her Trinidadian grandma's cake recipes and collecting Irish crochet lace. You can catch her writing from the comfort of her porch in Georgia with a cup of Earl Grey tea. Riley lives in Atlanta. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss, oh my gosh, all your recent work. You have so much going on. I don't even know where to start. So welcome.
3: Thank you, Zibby. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Okay, well, let's start with Murder in Westminster, your latest book. So exciting. I think you're you're going to reach for it now. Yes, there (laughs) it is. (laughs) <laughs> Can you tell listeners a little about this? And I read about your inspiration for it, but but share more details about your your childhood fascination with mystery and all of that. So.
3: Yes. So my mom, this was our thing. Every Sunday night, we would watch Murder, She Wrote. We'd watch, uh, we'd catch Matlock on Tuesdays, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, it was, it was our thing growing up. And personally, I always thought Jessica Fletcher was a serial killer, <laughs> that she was playing on the fact that they were weak-minded narcissists out here and they just wanted their moment in the sun. So they confessed. I thought, how can you have somebody die everywhere she goes? But I digress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a correlation causation. I don't know. A little suspicious. Yeah.
3: You know, that's probably the engineer mind in me is like, one and one equals two, but I researched from 1750 to 1830. I am completely enamored with London, the West Indies, and you know I have Sherlock Holmes and Diana Rayburn and, and Sherry Thomas. It's just this is I was like I was always loved to do a mystery, and I had read this really interesting fact that because I'd just finished all this research for Sister Mother Warrior that when the Haitian revolution succeeded, all the abolition movements in the world stopped. And I was like, no way that, that you know, Wilbur, William Wilberforce and my Elijah McCauley, Thomas Clarkson, they, they, they're not... Actually true. Cause I started digging into the, the UK archives and looking at newspaper clippings and all these sorts of things. And I was like, absolutely true. And I was like, what does a person do? Because they're free people of color in London, born in London, or they, they've immigrated to London. What are they doing during this moment where they can have this pride in a, a colony now being free from France? Because everybody hated France back then. <laughs> what do you do? And I, I just combined all the worlds together. And so that's why you get Lady Worthy. She's a woman of privilege, but she's also of mixed race. So she's got Scottish and Jamaican heritage, and she wants to use her privilege for good. But people keep dying around her. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> And so she's fussing with her neighbor, who might be, he's a Navy hero, retired Navy hero, slightly maybe sexy Moriarty, Moriarty type kind of guy. But they're fussing because her terrier is being terrorized by his two greyhounds. No. <laughs> but she can't see anything other because Little Teacup would just never, you know, disobey. So he's erected this fence between the two, and, and they, every time they meet at the fence, they have some words exchanged. Well, this time when they meet at the fence, the neighbor's estranged wife is found dead on the fence, but on her side of the fence. And in Abby's mind, she's like, who's going to believe me versus a Navy hero? So they end up working together to figure out who done it. And so it's my first introduction. Hope it's going to be a long series. Lady Worthing, murdered in Westminster. Amazing. That's so exciting. Did your mom read it? My mom passed away. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Crazy. No, she was she was my first editor. She was just you ever had that person in your corner who just believes in you, even when you screw up. <laughs> um, but when you screw up, she's the first to tell you you screwed up and, you know, send you to your room and, and all those wonderful mom chores and things like that. But she would be so proud to see where we come. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. I dedicate almost every other book to her. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Um, it's okay. Perfectly it. I feel terrible. I feel that way about my grandmother who passed away. guess it must have been two years, not even two years now. But just to have that support, the like and, and even when I'm doing things that I know she would like disapprove of, right. Every so often I'm like, I'm sorry, Gogi. I know you would not, <laughs> you know, I know I should be exercising or, you know, whatever it is that I know
3: she would give me a hard
2: time about, you know, but then just wanting so much to show, to show someone who's like, she was such a supporter of mine for selling. Anyway, I totally get it. And anyway, it's nice that you have a person,
3: right. To yes. be rooting for
2: you yes. even without yeah. them now, but.
3: anyway i actually and 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 when island queen was written up in new york times i actually went to the grave site with the paper (laughs) i totally understand that instance so she's with us but your grandma my mom they're with us as we as we move forward
2: oh and you also obviously have a huge support in your husband you've been married 26 years how is you, and you still look so happy in your pictures you posted on Instagram about your anniversary. And I'm like, how, how did you, what's the secret there? Tell me a little bit about that. The, the secret to 26 happy years and 26 all the smiles. Happy
3: years is love me, love my dog. Ah, okay. So we don't have dogs, but the, the concept is you are marrying the person. So, you know, their dreams, you know, their weaknesses, their failures, and you accept it. You're not trying to go in this to change it. Because people don't change. Sometimes they, they they get a little better. Maybe sometimes they get a little worse. Yes. <laughs> but they don't change. I mean, people are set. We're adults kind of thing. And so I knew he loved aviation. I knew that he was a military man. Even though at the time we met, he was working for United. He, I knew he was going to go back in. I saw it coming. And he loves his military life. And so he knew that I'm a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, he knows that i will close myself off into my office and you won't see me for days just to slide food and, and and bring coffee every day if everybody yeah coffee every day is a successful marriage but he just gets me and i get him and we you can you still laugh you find something new every day to laugh at and you make fun of yourselves and you just have a good time he's, he's like my buddy my friend And if you ever want to know anything about astrology or moon sightings and things like that, that's your guy right there. Really? (laughs) Not have thought? Okay.
2: Interesting. (laughs) Amazing. Tell me more about how you got into writing when you came at it as like basically as a PhD scientist, right? Tell me your whole background and how you got into this.
3: So in school, I was the nerd girl. Right. So I love Western civilization, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, you know, all these different pieces of the world. And I was also good at math. I'm on the math team and these sorts of things. And I'm winning competitions in both. And my mom's once again, mom, mom sits me down. She's like, baby, you always need to be able to pay your bills. And, you know, there wasn't a career or at least many career options for Someone who looks like me coming from the South, you just didn't see it. You have to go back a couple generations before you get the Zorniel Hirschtons and the, the people who were doing this day, you know, with the typewriters in there day after day, you know, uh, you're probably still drinking coffee. But we didn't see it. But we did start seeing opportunities at NASA and, and all these, you know, the car companies, General Motors, et cetera, et cetera. So it made complete logical sense to to go in towards engineering and she was absolutely right engineering will pay your bills so all you kids out there struggling engineering uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when you have a passion for something it doesn't go away and i can remember you know several uh one of my supervisors like vanessa this diecast manufacturing report is way too interesting <laughs> <laughs> we just need the facts girl we just need <laughs> <laughs> so It's there. And I had a uh, difficult pregnancy. And the doctor told me to sit my little behind down and to focus. And I do a million things a day. I cannot sit still. And my husband, dear husband, went up to the attic, brought boxes, found some of my journals that I was had as a young girl. And I was like, you know what? I know more stuff. I got more degrees now. I can do this better. And of course, no, that's not the case. It's (laughs) going. But it was a great discovery journey. And it was like, I was finding me again, you know, because it was exciting to write crafty stories, you know, as you're changing diapers and all those sorts you know, you want something else to do when the baby finally goes to sleep. And, and so I just began writing again and it was an amazing process. Had to learn new things because the the world had changed from story structure and these sorts of things. And it's been an exciting ride.
2: Wow. It's too bad there is no path. Like I was like you, I was like, okay, I want to be a writer. Now what? No. Okay, marketing. <laughs> you know, there's there's no good consistent jobs where you can use that skill. And yet it is like one of the, like a really highly valued skill. So it doesn't really make sense. I'm not sure what the answer is there, but I definitely could not have hacked it for a single day in an engineering class, let alone profession. (laughs) At least you, you know, you had all of that to fall back on, but how did you, how did you make that switch? Like, did you ever go back
3: after your pregnancy or you just Mm -hmm. went Okay, so what, when did you I was be? late at night. So I would, you know, I'd get to everybody in bed. Luckily, my husband goes to bed really early and he learned early on that I do not go to bed at the same time. Mm-hmm. He tried that for the first year. <laughs> 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 so I, everybody would be in bed. And so from 10 to 2 was my writing time. Oh um, my gosh. I'm a night owl. And so just keep writing and writing, and writing. And so I, I got my first book was traditionally published. And, you know, this was 2013 and and the markets were, I wasn't writing about contemporary things. I wasn't writing of church dramas. I wasn't writing and all these different things are wonderful. I wasn't writing that. I was writing about people. In 1806, uh, in England, and, and things like this, and, and the Caribbean—you know, it's, it's my father's from Trinidad and Tobago—so I'm bringing the stories he used to tell me into some of, into some of these things. There wasn't really much of a, an appetite in publishing for that, so books two through probably 15 were independently published. People need to realize, and I think you stress this in your podcast: it's a business. You know, it's a business and a publisher is going to invest when they believe that other people are going to buy the book and that they know how to mark because sometimes they, other people will buy it, but they don't know how to reach that those people. So I invested in myself and I indie published and I found my audience. And I was like, see, I'm not the only one (laughs) who likes likes history and likes his Regency era and all these different things. And we, you know, started gaining a following and lo and behold, publishers started knocking back on that door. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. And when I went to Entangled Publishing, which is part of Macmillan, I was, you know, reviewed in the NPR. I uh, was reviewed in Entertainment Weekly, Washington Post. And so, you know, my voice, my stories found an audience and publishing found a way to enhance what I was already doing, finding more readers. And so I'm, I'm excited of where the journey is going to take us next. Because now, you know, like you did at the beginning, I, I'm writing historical fiction. So these, like the stories, like Sister Mother Warrior. And I will conveniently yeah. show the book oh you know, there
2: the book. it is gorgeous <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you know, my, my father used to tell me these stories about women and and uh, rebellions and all these sorts of things and i'm like yeah sure daddy yeah okay whatever these are great stories because my father was a, my mother was a literature person father was a storyteller
0: mm.
3: hence you know i guess that's you know Yeah, you were doomed. (laughs) I was doomed doomed with this. Um, But he would tell me these stories of these fabulous women doing things because I was the only girl and and I was three brothers. And so he wanted to encourage me in that way. But those stories stick. And the more that I dig through archives, so I use my engineering skills now to go through uh, archives, old books, you know, finding different things, looking at, you know, museums are starting to put things online. Uh, there's first person there. You just you're just putting the pieces back together to fill in the holes because although I'm attracted to, to English London and Regency, you know the, the economy is all built on the West Indies. So at that point in time, four out of every five pounds is coming is is coming from transactions based on the West Indies from sugar or coffee or indigo to me it all makes sense now and i and i'm getting to tell these stories wow that's amazing
1: My question is,
2: how did you know how to build your own audience? That is like the holy grail of publishing, anyway. So, for you to just decide to independently publish and then successfully find your people,
3: how did you go about that? Okay. okay. One, I didn't know I couldn't. So, that's the first thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, as, as, as if you just like yourself, you're like, it's a problem. I'm just going to go. In. You don't know there's a right answer or a wrong answer. You just know I'm going to build a podcast. I'm going to do these different things. You just, you just want to do it. Right. Yeah. And so for me being authentically me, I'm the same person. So I'm like, if the publishers can't figure out how to market me in the books, I will market me in the books. And so you get, so like on my Instagram, you get bits and pieces of my quirkiness. You get my passion for history. And then I believe in a beautiful cover. The Bargain, which I think was the the first book that uh, the book number two, I had spent my money on editing Mm -hmm. and on a beautiful cover. And this cover was a, a gentleman out of Malaysia. It was this gorgeous cover of a black woman. She's in Regency clothes. And just the expression on her face, like she'd been through something and she got a story to tell. It I put it out there and within, without any additional advertising, the cover just started sparking conversations on Twitter and different places and a thousand was sold in like two weeks. Oh my gosh. I know. So I was like, see, I've got people. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's, it's some part of it's, it's blessings, part of it's luck, part of it's just not giving up. I think that's the, the real thing because of like, I've got these stories to tell mm-hmm. and you decide at some point, whether I'm talking to one other person, my mother at the time, or <laughs> if thousands of people across the globe, I'm going to do the best work I possibly can. I, I, will, I will tell you about the story. Hopefully you'll see my enthusiasm. You want to pick up the book and you'll want to learn something. Because it's, it's a different take. You know, we're Regency folks, we, we know Hayer's version or, or Austin's version, but we don't even really re- understand Austin's version because Austin talks about the slave trade in Mansfield's part. In Sanditon, the richest woman is a mixed-race woman from Antigua. You know, so you go back, the world is a lot more diverse. There is more more equity. I mean, there's still... There's still every is you can think of, misogynist, sexism, you know, any ism, it's it's there. But there was also room for this other pieces, the the, the shiny parts of our spirit that where people conquered things and, and did things. And so it was just it's it's exciting to be in a space to be able to tell these stories.
2: You know, I I keep thinking about what you just said, that there wasn't an appetite for what you were doing and you were hoping your people were out there because I don't know. I feel like the older I get, the more I realize that like there is nothing unique about me or anybody else. Like if I have an interest in something. I am not the only one in this giant universe who does that I the trick is just figuring out how to connect with those people and find them so if you're you know whether it's what you like to read or what you like to write or whatever there's nothing that's so bizarre I mean maybe there's something totally bizarre but for most things like you know 1800s England whatever that that is not such an obscure thing right but but it's just the question of finding the right audience and the right friends or the right coworkers. I don't know. I think it's it's encouraging because people try to write a certain genre or they try something new and think like, well no you know, who's going to read this or maybe I'm weird for trying this, but but there are other people out there who feel the same thing
3: or maybe they're working on the same thing and you just haven't haven't found each other yet. Exactly. The beautiful thing is the internet and, and social media. You can find your people a lot easier mm-hmm. now but you got to be brave and, and, and be out there and be once again, the most authentic version of yourself. Uh, You know, when I got started, I had friends who wrote to market Mm -hmm. and and some of them, you know, did extremely well for me. That wasn't me. I, I was, I wanted to write stories that that I wanted to read. I, I wanted to, you know, honor my culture and just show this, these facts that I'm finding. And I'm like, these to be in a story so that people will understand and yeah. and and lock into it. And so like I said, I'm it's it's a storied existence. I'm, I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad people get to you know to tell me, get to listen. To what people. do you
2: like to read? The same type of book or totally different or everything or what? What do you what do you read and what's
3: your I'm, to? I'm an everything girl. Mm-hmm. I, I do love historical romance. I love Beverly Jenkins. I love Julia Quinn. I love Sarah McClain. I love historical fiction, so I, you know, if we look on my happy shelf, uh, you know, Kate Quinn, Dennis Bryce, uh, Nancy Johnson, there's so many, you know, great voices coming up, and you know, get me with the story, throw me in someplace where I feel I've, I've been transported. Uh, Beatrice Williams does that all the time. I feel like I'm transported when I read one of her books. So, you know, Fiona Davis, the same thing, take me someplace. And that's what I try and do. I try to take you someplace and immerse you so much that you feel a part of the story. So like with Sister Mother Warrior, which just came out in July, you know, I, I translated French <laughs> and I put in the African languages because the story of these two dynamic women, Abadoya Toya, who's a, who's a Dahomey warrior. So everybody who's going to go see some movies that are coming out between Black Panther and The Woman King. These are based, this is true. They're based on uh, real women tribes who protected the king. So you have Abadoya Toya, also known as Grand Toya in, in Haiti now. She was a Dahomey warrior. She's protecting the king. She gets conquered and transported to Saint-Domingue, which is present-day Haiti. And she raises up a generation teaching them the same how to position troops with the stars, how to choose the best paths. And one of the young men that she pours into is Jean-Jacques Dessalines, the man who liberates Haiti. So these are, these are true stories. And I, I personally can't believe that no one had, hadn't written the story in a way to really, you know, to let people sink into the times and the complexities of what's going on in African politics and the African kingdoms, as well as, you know, Britain, France, Spain, Portugal, everybody's fighting for Senator it's Ming because it's, um, it's, the most, it's the wealthiest colony. It's the most precious colony. Uh, you know, that's, everybody wants the pearl of the Antilles. And I can't believe someone hasn't written it before. <laughs> Do you ever burn out? Probably no. I've I've never burned out, but I do honor taking moments between books. So, I, you know, there's like a two-week period where I just veg and I read my friend's books. uh, I read more, you know, I try to stay away from research during that time frame. But I love research. And (laughs) so... (laughs) I totally, you know, I'm, I'm a geek. I was in a blackie in March and I went to this little bookshop and I was just going to go in for a second, I with like, pop-up books because I just love research books. I love old books. And, and so you, you, you indulge in your other passions. And to me, because this is fun, because this is really my passion, I have not come to burnout place and I hope I never come to burnout place. And tip for, for writers, I write every day. To me, I make it a muscle, and if you write every day, it becomes a muscle. You can always depend on a muscle working. When you take gaps, other priorities come to place. Much muscles get atrophy, and so it gets harder and harder to go back. So you know, I'm trying to convince myself with the gym. That's the same thing.
2: I was literally about to say that's where I am with the gym right now. Like, yes. And I'm just watching the atrophy take over. I'm like, this used to be so easy. I used to like wake up every day and do it. And like anywhere I traveled, I would like find the closest gym and like go to a spin class or something. And now I'm like, wow, it's not even like on the menu when I wake up anymore. It's so bad. It's so bad. But anyway, yeah.
3: Uh, So what's your next book? The next book will be another historical fiction. It's called, we just got the title too, Ooh. Queen of Exile. Ooh, that's a good title. Love yeah. It. Love so, it. There's a queen that people need to know about uh, who ruled a kingdom for 10 years, the exact same 10 years that the Regency went from in England from 1811 to 1820. And then she went into exile in Europe and literally visited all the spa, spa cities in Europe so it's going to be intrigue it's going to be danger but you're going to see a level of opulence in, in of a woman um, and resilience in a woman that we need to know more about so i'm going to not say her name right now okay let the intrigue go through but look for look for queen of exiles next summer I think
2: you should organize a trip if the communities are still there. Like, I want to go on that trip to all the spa places in Europe. That sounds good.
3: <laughs> I know, I know. I went to half of them. You did? Half. I went to half. Because the, the thing is, the things that she saw are still there. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted that experience. What does it feel like? Uh, particularly because the country that she ruled didn't have these these monuments or these, you know, things going back at that point in time, two or, th- or three hundred years prior to, they were just starting to build those for the kingdom when the kingdom fell. So what does it look like when you go and you see this cut marble and, and the, the tapestries and the things that are like oh, hundreds of years old? You know, the churches, the, you know, your, the church, they had one big one, one big cathedral, but mainly wood and glass. And now you're going to, to, to marble what does that feel like? What does that look like? What does that add to your journey? So I had to go and, and I had to, to be in the spaces where she was. And it was, it was a very humbling and uh, experience. And I'm, I'm hoping that I brought that to the manuscript. Oh my gosh. Very exciting. I'm sure you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did too. <laughs>
2: Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much. This is so fun. And uh, I really enjoyed
3: talking to you. Thank you so much. You have a great day and have me back. Okay. (laughs) Come on back. (laughs) All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing, and thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com.
1: Moonpig.com
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen